Darrell Kincaid, Vice President, Commercial Lender with Equitable Bank, and I'm here with Phil. Morning, Errol. Good morning. Phil Week, Commercial Lender with Equitable Bank. How long have you been with Equitable, Errol? 2016 I started. Oh, long timer. I, uh, I started with COVID about at the mm-hmm. same time, so February 2020. Fun. So uh, good to meet you in person. Likewise. We are very well acquainted via Zoom and Teams, but this is our first interaction in person. This is good. This is, I think, what uh, banking and relationships are supposed to be about is this in-person interaction. So, yeah. Well, this is my first podcast, so I'm pretty excited about that. My, uh, my first podcast, too. I think I've uh, wasted no less than uh, a third of my life listening to podcasts, uh, but definitely first time participating in one, so... Uh, I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you and bringing topics that, uh, as a banker, that I think are relative to the average person, uh, business owner, Mm -hmm. whatever your walk of life might be, because so much of what we do on a day-to-day basis, it's, it's just what we do. It's what we live every day. And a lot of the things in banking that might be second nature to you or I, the average person, whether they're buying their first home, looking to start a business, whatever it might be, um, they're a little lost. It's not something, I mean, I don't even remember the class in high school or college for that matter, where this is how you buy your first home. Or if you want to start a business, this is how you start a business. Now, I think there are classes relative to that, that people could seek out and specifically take. But uh, for the vast majority of people, if if you haven't sought out that information, uh, it's not in my opinion, anywhere that you can find that's easily digestible, that is relatable. And that's that's really what my driving force behind wanting to be a part of this podcast is. I'm sure you've had this too, where you have someone walk in your office and they say, Errol, I want to start a business. I have this great idea. I've been doing this side hustle for four or five years now, and I really want to take it to the next step, but I don't have the first inclination of how to start. And I, and I hope that in our discussions, when we talk about really the inner workings of banking that we could provide a little bit of that insight so that, you know, someone might find that courage to take that first step to go in and talk to a bank. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of anxiety uh, with people that are trying to take that step and where do I start? What questions do I, I need to ask? What, what don't I even know yet? Right. And that's where we as community bankers can help that dialogue along. Right. Right. Most of what I do is ask questions and listen. So true. I mean, because uh, I always tell my customers, I'm not here to heavy handedly run your business. Nobody knows more about your business than you do. I can provide insight. I can provide maybe a little bit of guidance. I know numbers and and I, and I feel like um, a lot of times business owners in particular come in looking for a sounding board basically in regard to the numbers i have this idea i think i can make it work what do you think what do the numbers tell you yeah so that's what this podcast hopefully will be about more bank for your buck or bank for your buck yeah yeah How, how did you get into banking oh man remember monster.com no it was a um like a online resource to post a resume and, and search for jobs. Okay. So, and so I threw my resume sure. out there and 
uh, a manager at U.S. Bank reached out, needed some help, had the banking experience, needed help managing a team. Sure. And I got an interview, and the rest is history. So U.S. Bank, so you, you've always been in Omaha then, Omaha lifer? No, I, I'm a Kansas kid. Oh, I no. grew up in a small rural town. About five minutes ago. Uh, Baldwin City, Kansas, and uh, went to Baker University, okay. a small private college, liberal arts um, education, and graduated. And back in the day, um, I had to pick three metros that I could move to uh, for working with Target, and I picked St. Louis, uh, Denver, and Omaha were the three that I would be willing to relocate, and they picked Omaha for me. Okay. So that's what brought me out here the first the first time around. Uh, worked for U.S. Bank for a number of years and then moved to the Twin Cities. Uh, went to work for Wells Fargo out there and uh, went through a development program um, to be a store manager. Um, did that for a couple of years and then moved back to Kansas. Okay. Uh, worked for U.S. Bank from 2010, well, 2008 that would have been. Um, moved back to Nebraska in late 2010 and uh, went to work for a small community bank in 2012 um, and then came to work for Equitable in 16. So I've been in banking a while, love what I do. Um, and, you know, part of what fills my cup is helping others, right? And so I feel like every day I get to help somebody. Sure. Whether it's a family or a business owner. Um, and so that's what makes those tough days. And honestly, the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything else that's been related to that, um, knowing that we, we're making a difference, right? Making sure. um, positive impacts in our community with our clients and, and our families that we serve. Um, keeps you know, me going. It, my thing is, my background is nowhere similar to yours, but has echoes of that and that I spent a lot of time at large banks. So uh, I didn't find banking. I kind of stumbled into banking out of college, not, you know, like most young people anymore. Uh, I don't know when and why we decided that at age 18, you should know what you want to do for the rest of your life. I'll figure that out one of these days, mm -hmm. but uh, started with Wells Fargo right out of college and I think it takes working at one of these very large financial institutions who serve a very important role in the global community and in the United States to appreciate the intricacies of a community-based smaller bank. So I went from you know, Wells Fargo to Rabobank and then to Great Western Bank, which is now, I believe, part of First Interstate Bank System, but all very large you know, several hundred billion, if not trillion dollar in asset to equitable bank, much smaller bank. And I actually took three and a half years out of banking, um, spent some time uh, more heavily involved in the family real estate business. So I have my real estate broker's license and, and dabble with that a little bit. But um, it was the appeal of being able to work at a community-based bank where you really feel and believe that you are making an impact in your customers' business and their mm -hmm. life. Uh, like you say, that I think about the, the pandemic 
I remember working from home, you know, because taking precautions, the bank sends a few of us home, keeps a few of us back so that we're not all clustered together. And I remember being on these early morning calls with, with Dave and the whole team talking about PPP and, you know, the government pushes this out as quickly as possible with maybe in our opinion, very little guidance. Right. So we're all just kind of uh, shooting from the hip, trying to get this out. We know two things and that, uh, the economy shutting down and that we need to get money out to our customers. So it's going through that process of knowing your customer who qualifies for this. How does it work? Being able to explain it the best we can, because I think at the time we knew very little mm-hmm. to our customers to say, this is a good program. This is going to help you. This is going to stop the bleeding that is caused by just utter chaos. Right. I mean, it's, to me, I think back to those first few months of the pandemic, and it, it reminds me of the blur in your mind that is your first child because you're, you're light on sleep. It's a very stressful situation. You have no idea what is going on. And a lot like the first kid, you know, yeah. you bring the first kid home. You have no idea what's going on. It's a great illustration. And uh, so I, I kept telling myself I should really take a journal of these few months. And, of course, I never did. Procrastination is key. Uh, but I wish I would have because – that time seems so far removed now. Right. But I believe it really echoes the importance of community-based banks. And again, there, there is an absolute role for the very large banks, the U.S. banks, the Wells Fargo. That you know, The purpose of this podcast is not to berate them because they certainly serve a very important role, especially in the global community. But in small towns, now Omaha, not a small town, but I believe that within larger communities, there are smaller communities, smaller right. community feeling. Or Grand Island, where we're at now, uh, community banks are vital. Right. They really are. Well, and I mean, you mentioned a little bit of the chaos. I mean, business owners didn't, one, they didn't know where to turn. They didn't understand the long-term impacts of what the pandemic was going to meet mean to their business or their, their, their family, right. Their, their financial livelihood. And oftentimes that phone call to me or to you or to others was all they needed to kind of calm down, take a deep breath and understand that things are going to be okay. And to me, that's what PPP was all about, uh, providing that relief. And I was proud to, to learn that equitable was the first bank in the state of Nebraska to fund one of those loans, um, and I think it I did speaks know. to, you know, just the the value of of when a smaller bank can can act quickly, be nimble. Right. You know that agility is important, um, but we just had to figure it out. Well, and I think um, you know the best thing the federal government did in regard to PPP, in my opinion, is that. They were not afraid to act quickly. Right. They did not. Now, granted, there was, I don't know how many infinite revisions to the rules of PPP as, uh, you know, you have this massive multi-billion dollar program and they basically rolled this thing out overnight. Right. So naturally there's going to be quirks in things that, you know, weren't maybe thought through perfectly, but, but that wasn't the point. The point was we flipped the light switch on the economy. We shut it off today and basically forced a recession in this country like we've never seen. Right. How do we fix what we just did? And, I, and 
I think the speed with which they rolled the program out, and like you say, community banks, because we don't have the layers of bureaucracy and hierarchy. And, and quite frankly, if, if we make an error in, in doing a PPP loan, maybe it's a couple thousand dollar error. It's not a multi-million dollar error that right. maybe a larger bank might be making. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very proud with how, because I remember, I remember when we, we started the program, we weren't really sure. We knew we could get people approved, get them in line to get the funds they needed. But we weren't really sure when we were going to close these loans, actually have them sign loan documents and get money. And I, I can't remember if it was late at night or very early in the morning that we had a conference call. And Dave basically said, well, we have about 48 hours to get all these loans closed and funded because of a, a rule that either came on later or that we misread or whatever it might have been. But it was one of these moments where it's like, oh, geez, it's all hands on deck. We got to get together and get this done and get these loans closed. And it, and again, it's all very fuzzy mm-hmm. thinking back to it now. But if I'm not mistaken, we did. We, we got them all done. Right. And of course, then they came out and said, well, we'll give you a few more days. We realized that was a little short-sighted to give you such a short window to get all these loans closed. But um, like you say, you, you you felt like you were part of a team that was also a part of your customer's team. Right. You were there to help them through this chaotic time where everyone's scared because no one knows what this looks like. I, I mean, I think at this time I was still Lysol wiping my groceries as they came from the store because we didn't really know a whole lot about COVID and, and what that might all entail. And uh, interesting times. Yes. Yeah, welcome back to banking. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> For you. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I always say I came with COVID. I, um, I had never made a loan in my banking career prior when interest rates weren't essentially zero or very, very low. And when I came back to Equitable in February, I mean, it, it really hadn't started raging yet, and, and the Fed hadn't come out and started slashing rates yet. So I thought it was coming back to a quote unquote normalized banking environment. And within 30 days, it's all hands on deck, right. panic and chaos and crisis. Um, because I, I started in banking right after the great financial crisis. So we were, you know, coming through the, the tatters of TARP and, and all those programs. So it's, uh, I feel like I was I was born into banking with chaos just a little bit. So it's it's good to start getting back to normal so I can have what we'll call a normal banking experience right. moving forward. Well, and I think the fun thing of this podcast too will be we're going to pull in some partners from the bank and from our community that will, from their experiences, be able to provide, you know, even different perspective. When I started banking, Prime was eight and a quarter. Mortgage rates were 7% or higher. Um, and so never been there. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, that'll be something fun for this podcast. We'll bring in those partners and, and, uh, hopefully, you know, our, our audience will be able to, um, you know, chime in, ask the questions that they want to address the topics that they feel, um, are pertinent, uh, to today. And we'll pour into those. We'll speak into the, those topics, uh, throughout the course of this, this podcast and, um, you know, to me, being accessible through this um, is new for our bank, um, but I think it allows us to interact with a, a broader audience. Right. Um, and to me, that's that's when we get to have fun, right? We get to have fun uh, in a different format, in a different platform, but still being accessible to those that need us, right? right? That have questions that we can address and add value, um, you know, through this this medium. 
I agree. And it's, to me, it's a lot of meeting your customers where they're at. Um, there's no shame. There's no, there should be no embarrassment of not knowing what you don't know, whether it comes to starting a business, getting your first home loan, buying a car, whatever it might be. Because if you don't ask, who's going to tell you right now in today's world, thankfully, if you want to seek that information out, there's just a wealth of resources. However, not all of it's easy to distill down into, okay, here's a 500 word document on all the things I need to know about buying a house. What do I really need to know? Can I talk to someone that's been doing it for 20 years, writing home loans and can tell me the ins and outs and all the finer points that might not be captured in a written document or whatever it might be. And, you know, a lot of times, and I'm sure you're the same way, anecdotally, you'll hear friends, family, whoever it might be having an experience, a lot of times buying that first home or whatever it might be. And and they just have a nightmare of experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I sit back and think, you know, it didn't have to be that way because it, there are so many things that, you know, your, your bank could discuss with you up front right. to help streamline the process and make it because, you know, buying a home, starting an incredibly stressful process, the, the bank part of it doesn't necessarily need to be the stress. You've got enough stress going on with moving and buying and selling, whatever it might be. And I, I think if we can provide just one piece of insight, one piece of information, or one of our partners through the bank Mm -hmm. can provide that one bit of help. Mission accomplished with the podcast, right? Um, You know, Equitable actually has roots going back into, you know, publication and in talking to, at the time, the shareholders of the bank. So Equitable founded in 1882 uh, wasn't chartered for a couple of years after that, but one of the oldest financial institutions in the state of Nebraska. So ben, this is our 140th anniversary year. But in the 1900s, they actually had a publication called The Home Builder. So, you know, back, way back in the day, the purpose of the bank is savings and loan. It's people buy shares in the bank, generate a return on savings. The money that goes into the bank as they buy shares in the bank goes out to people that need to build. And uh, they had this publication for over 30 years called The Home Builder. It's a biannual publication sent to all stockholders in the bank that talks about uh, the merits of home building, the merits of prudent savings. And, uh, you know, for the period would have been a little forward thinking you sure. know, to put out a publication like that to stockholders to say, this is what your money is doing. You are investing in this bank and we are using these funds to help this person build a home, help this person build a business. And and I think, uh, you know, to echo a little bit of that, that's part of what we hope to accomplish with this podcast. Be interesting to, to read that and just the, the wording differences from that era, right? How those conversations were held and the the language that they had a much better command of the English language. Yeah. Yeah, It was uh, much more formal, full of, uh, do you know, it really reminded me of, um, Charlie Munger, you know, Warren Buffett's partner forever. Charlie, when he speaks at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meetings, he always has, he'll go on to a dialogue and he'll, have, he'll just be full of wit and wisdom and quips. And this is coming from, I believe, a 96-year-old man who's still just sharp as ever. But when I was reading through, we actually have some of the original publications uh, at the Deers location in a file box. And uh, when I was reading through that, I thought of Charlie Munger, just how it, 
it wasn't necessarily saying you know it wasn't it wasn't a very factual based this is what the bank is doing these are the number it wasn't it wasn't a numbers discussion it was a more of a philosophical discussion of what you know the the word that came through a lot was was prudence so prudent lending prudent investing prudent savings you know and i and i think it was trying to um, portray that image of conservative banking safety security uh specifically for the shareholders right but just uh, some timeless wisdom i think in that publication i'll have to get you a copy of that but it's it's interesting to see something you know 120 years old that would have went out to shareholders of the bank we work for today right and i look at where we're at today in 2022 interest rates are rising you know the economy's slowing down inflation's for the first time in our life right inflation. out of control yeah. um and so we're having those same discussions again right you know yeah, I, i'm i find myself having discussions on a daily basis that i i have no experience from with which to draw when it comes to inflation i was born in 1988 that was kind of at the tail end of the inflationary spike of the 1980s i find it fascinating to go back and read about you know 18 percent operating interest rates 14 percent home loans and think how in the world did people survive in that environment but we did mm -hmm. and we're going to survive this coming environment too it's just a little bit different than what we've right. been used to for the past 20 years yeah and i think again the value of of the the client relationships we have we know our clients well and we can speak into meeting them where they're at answer the questions that they have and you know again assure them that we're walking this alongside them yeah no one's in this alone right and inflation is is a topic that again today i mean it, it is the buzzword today inflation i mean i you can't talk to uh, a high schooler to your grandma that is not talking about listening to things about or concerned about inflation and this too shall pass right we, we i wish i knew when i don't know when nobody knows when uh, but it goes back to that relationship piece having a relationship with a and it doesn't have to be a community-based bank you know you and i work for a community-based bank so uh, naturally we would gravitate that direction but you know, you look at equitable, we have wealth management, we have tax and accounting, we have insurance and investments. If you or I don't know the answer, if a customer comes to us with a question, and you or I don't know the answer, we probably know somebody that does. Right. And if they don't, they'll get you to the right person. But it's it starts with asking that question and, and, and feeling comfortable enough to walk in and ask the question. Right. You, uh, brought up a, a topic that maybe we can address here too in our, on our podcast of, you know, why equitable bank? You know, I was thinking about that a second ago when we, you were talking at, you know, why, why did I gravitate towards a community bank? And when I, uh, I was working for us bank, I got into the Nebraska bankers associations leadership program and got experience firsthand of what young leaders in community banks were were doing one for the institution but two for their community i was blown away right 
at the impact that these young leaders were having. And I wanted to be that leader. And so that's what really turned my career path towards community banking. You know, I, I grew up in a small town, less than 100 kids in my graduating class, typically knew every kid, their family members, sure. their siblings by name in my school. Um, so very relationship focused. Um, and that was really appealing to me from a career perspective. Um, and, you know, found that in that type of model, right? Mm -hmm. I'm part of the, the, the decision-making process. Um, I am a point of contact for my clients and I get to know them on a, on a really deep level. Um, and I get to be part of that value and solution back to our client. So yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I love about equitable. That's what I love about our industry. Um, and that's why I chose equitable. I wish my reasons were as noble as yours. Um, a, a little bit of the same regard, having worked for larger financial institutions, you know, friends and family said, called me a banker. And I said, you know, I might be a banker, but what I really am is a money salesman. Because, it, you know, when you work for a really large bank and in the position that I was where it's a, 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 let's call it a lower tier position, not necessarily a position of authority. I, that, that's what I was. I was a money salesman. The biggest reason I got brought into equitable and, and the culture here and what intrigued me so much to get back into banking was the opportunity to work for a community bank where, like you say, you have input. You, you know, we can pick up the phone and, and, and call our credit officer. We can pick up the phone and call the CEO of the bank. And you feel like when you develop the relationship with your client, you can have more input in the credit decision process than, you know, when you work at a very large institution, it's quite frankly, it's whatever the policy is, is right. what it is. There, there's probably not as much wiggle room and this is the box in with, within we operate and it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, to that decision-making process, you know, I, I talk to clients all the time that the tax returns, the financial statements, they tell a piece of the story, but not the whole story. Certainly. Right. And so to me that that's where we come in, um, in, in really understanding where they're at, why they're there, where they want to go and how best to get there. Um, and sometimes it's, it's understanding what the numbers don't tell us. Right. What's well, the, the most critical piece? It's, 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 the, it's banking can be so depersonalized. It's here is cash flow. Here is collateral. Here are numbers. I mean, you can take the person completely out of the discussion right. if you want to, if you just want to evaluate the credit, so to speak. But at the end of the day, it's the people that make the difference. It's the people that run the business. It's the people that pay back the loan. So Phil, I'm going to take a second and, uh, you know, make sure that we are, you know, focused too on, on the audience that we, that sure. we're hoping to reach, um, that, you know, if, if you, our audience have, have a question, um, type it in the comments below. We're going to be watching that regularly. Um, if, if there's a question topic that you want us to address, you know, feel free to, to, 
to ask and let us know. We can address those um, down the road uh, together. And um, let's let's dive in a little bit too about bigger picture equitable bank. I know we've talked a little bit about that um, very high level, but uh, a fun fact that maybe our our some of our clients wouldn't know in in our community um, the fact that we're publicly traded. Right. Uh, EQFN, our ticker symbol, uh, check it out. Uh, but not an actively uh, traded stock, but I think it provides a, a different dynamic than uh, what most community banks um, are structured. Right. Employee-owned structure. Yep, through our ESOP. Right. Um, and we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the, the fact that we have wealth banking or full-service bank, mortgage, Lending is a, a big piece of what we do. And, um, you know, one of the, the things I, I speak into clients a lot is the fact that we service our, our mortgage portfolio. Right. And That's what important. does that mean to a family? It means when you make your payment, it's to Equitable Bank for the life of that loan. If there's a hailstorm, right, and you have a, a claim check, you call us and we help you with that. You're not mailing it in, waiting for somebody somewhere, hopefully yet in America, to, to turn it around and help you. Right. So you can get your roof fixed. Right. So it doesn't leak. Well, in the same vein of, of housing, uh, a lot of banks, because it you know can be a cumbersome process, have gone away from construction loans. So mm-hmm. if you want to build your dream house, you can't just walk into any bank and get a construction loan to build that home. But you can walk into one of our branches, any yeah. of our branches. Uh, I believe there's two in Omaha. So we got Omaha Elkhorn. Yeah, I just built Elkhorn last summer. And that was that, that's where you're at, correct? Yeah. You get the new branch. That's good. And then uh, two in Grand Island here, one downtown, one up on Deers Avenue in the north side of town. And then uh, we've got a branch. I assume there's just one in North Platte. Again, I came with COVID, so I haven't toured around to see any of the branches, but I believe there's one branch in North one. Platte. Okay. Yeah. Um, do a lot of ag lending. A lot of ag lending. Not so much in Omaha, but. In North Platte and Grand Island, for sure. There's not as much farm ground in Omaha, I don't believe. Uh, probably a little bit more urban. But I I always, and I don't know if this is factually accurate, but it seems to gravitate around this. It's kind of about, you know, about a third agriculture, maybe a third commercial and a third consumer. So yeah. a nice blend. And I think as a community bank, you have to go where your customers are at. I mean, if, if you're in North Platte, Nebraska, which is highly agricultural and rural, Right, it would be difficult to be just a commercial bank, no, no different than uh, in Grand Island, where we're really a, a, a 50-50 blend in our economy here locally. You know, it's very agriculturally driven, but as a result of that, there's a lot of commercial businesses here in town and in the area. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the leadership team um, of Equitable. So Tom is going to join us uh, for our next podcast. Tom Godowski is our president and CEO, mm-hmm. um, and he works and lives here in Grand Island. And Dave Richardson is our uh, chief lending officer, our market president here in Grand Island. Um, we, we spoke a little bit about North Platte. Um, Levi is our market president out there. And then Omaha Elkhorn's the next market, and that's where Doug is. Errol, we've talked a lot about the purpose of more bang for your buck. And what we're really trying to do here, uh, hopefully people have learned a little bit about you and your background, and my background as well. 
you know, one of the things that we have been hearing a lot about recently, because it's a change in our environment, is interest rates. Right. And it doesn't matter whether you're a business owner, uh, your regular consumer, or someone that's getting ready to go off to college for the first time, interest rates have a bearing on all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I, it's something that hasn't been asked of me in a long time, but all of a sudden I can't go anywhere without someone knowing that I'm in the finance industry and asking me, what are interest rates going to do? And what do you think interest rates are going to do? Right. Right. If I knew that, I wouldn't have to be a banker. That is the exact same thing I tell them. It's it's about the only, because we don't know. Right. We don't know. And, and I, quite frankly, I don't think anybody knows for certain uh, what interest rates are going to do because like everything in finance, subject to change. Right. right. And I think that the Federal Reserve, who is really the driver of the rate policy, has been very explicit in saying, we are watching what's happening and we are making changes as necessary to the policy. Right. So right now, we talked briefly about inflation prior. That is top of mind for everyone in this country and the Federal Reserve. And right now, they are increasing interest rates to help combat that inflation yeah. that we're all seeing. Very reactionary at the point in right. time. Um, but you're right, that's the, basically the tool that we have right now to slow inflation. Right, because it's it's a phenomenon that we haven't experienced here in the United States for, again, basically my entire natural life and, and close to the majority of yours. So I think it's a very pertinent topic to discuss for our next episode. And uh, we're going to bring in Tom Gadowski, our president and CEO, who has a wealth of experience in the banking industry as well as in the credit markets, which is really where those interest rates are set and determined. And so we're going to take some time to look at, you know, what rates are doing today, uh, what the Federal Reserve is telling us they're going to be doing, and how that impacts you as a homeowner, right. uh, as a business owner, as a consumer in general. Why do rates matter? Yeah. And, you know, for, again, back to our audience, um, you know, if you want us to cover a specific uh, question or topic, comment on this podcast, uh, subs hit the subscribe button, shameless plug, but um, it's important for us to, to know our audience and to know what's important to them. Right. Yeah. And that's why we're here. We think we know what people need to know about banking and finance, because quite frankly, a lot of times our customers ask us. So anecdotally, we have certain ideas just based upon what people are asking us, but there's undoubtedly a topic that you and I have not thought of right. that needs to be covered because someone out there somewhere is looking for that information and hasn't quite found the answer that they're looking for yet. Right. And hopefully we can provide some assistance in that regard. Amen. I've enjoyed meeting you. This is face fun. to face. Yeah, yeah this, this has been good. been fun. I'm looking forward to uh, to digging in and covering some some fun topics and then some really challenging ones. Where you're going to make banking as fun and exciting as it can be. I want to thank our audience for joining us today on More Bank for Your Buck and looking forward to 
our next podcast together, Phil. Sounds great. Thanks, Errol. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.